Hey, I'm Gabriel Goldfeder. I'm a Jewish life consultant, a.k.a. Rabbi. Rabbi Nachman says something pretty surprising in Lesson 68 of Ligute Moharan. He says that the nefesh, the soul of a person, comes from a very high place. That's not surprising. That money comes from that same place. Meaning, if you were to imagine the source of the soul, which is so dynamic and capable of so much and so divine and godlike in certain ways, and to be told that the source, the place from which that incredible entity emerges into the world is the same place where money comes from. That's a surprising parallel. It seems to imply that money also has some similar qualities that the soul has. As Rabbi Nachman goes on to say there, Ki For certainly the beginning of the place from which money Mishtalshel, hard word to translate into English, evolves or or transforms or descends. It is certainly, money must certainly be rooted in a place which is holy and has holy shefa, holy flow and blessing. And afterwards, it becomes concretized and solidified below. As is the way of spiritual phenomena that chain or evolve or devolve or descend into the world. And it becomes money. So perhaps in a similar way to the soul, which is rooted in God's very will and then it descends or concretizes into the world until it becomes a human being with a body and with a personality and with a life and with specificity and challenges and becomes a being who can forget that they are rooted in such a high place and could get stuck and can get in, ev- involved and confused in matters of this world that would distract that person and take them away from their original orientation so too money can be rooted in something very lofty and very high and as it comes down into the world as it becomes more concretized it can lose some of that spiritual luster and be trapped or only understood in the context of its physical luster and the literal shine of money but just the same it is important to remember that it is rooted in something deep and holy as our souls are rooted in something deep and holy. In fact, in the same place of deep and holy, the soul and money are both rooted there. So the world is a very narrow bridge. It's not simple to bring a soul into the world and for that soul to navigate the choices it has to make and to create for itself, as it were, a lifestyle that fully gives expression 
to who that soul is and what that soul is and the power that that soul has, it's difficult to do that. And in a similar way, it is difficult for money to come down from that same lofty place into the world and retain and maintain its full spiritual nature and character and power. If money is a spiritual element that becomes physical, how do you make sure that as it becomes physical and as it becomes concrete, it maintains its full spiritual power? And I believe Rabbi Nachman wants us to juxtapose that with the question about how a soul comes down into the world and maintains its orientation and its nature and its character and its power. And the answer is very carefully. Each step of the way, there are choices that we make and have to make at every stage of the process wherein money becomes concretized in our lives in the most real way. How we earn is only one chapter heading of many, many, many pages of questions. Even within our work, every day, every choice that we make has its capacity to put its imprint on that money as that money comes down into the world. The Torah phrase for that reality is called Niki Chapaim, which means clean hands, as opposed to sticky hands. Sticky hands are because there is a natural tendency of the hands, according to this perspective, to attract things to itself and to take things for itself and to draw things from outside of itself into itself. So our tradition indicates that the hands, which are the primary, at least metaphorical, method by which we earn a living, they want to take things for themselves. They want to take and to, to, to attach to whatever seems to be available. They want to take that money as much as they can for themselves. And therefore, there's a kind of counterforce that's required, which is to clean the hands to make sure that we are extra clean and extra careful in an environment in which we are likely to try to take things for ourselves and possibly even likely to cut corners or to violate our own or other or accepted ethical codes and values in order to get things for ourselves. So there's extra attention that needs to be paid towards making sure in all the different stages that money is coming down from the very highest heights all the way down into our bank accounts, that at each step of the way we resist the sticky hands temptation which wants to simply take and take. So thank God we have abundant guidance and wisdom in our tradition, and in the Torah, and in the Talmud, and in Rambam, and in Hasidut, and in Musar, and all of the different branches of uh, Jewish thinking that are aware of the challenge of keeping money holy, we have many, many ways to ensure that that happens. And these are considered to be consciousness-inducing safeguards that remind us to be aware at every stage of the process in order to keep focused on the goal of making that money holy. Just like there are many laws and practices around eating, because eating is another fundamental way that we can get distracted and lost in the world, therefore 
the preparation of food and the requirements of food and blessings before food and blessings after food and washing hands and all these different things are ways to try to remind us to keep our focus as we eat. So too, we need guidance to ensure that the process by which we're bringing money down into the world remains focused and doesn't distract us from our values. I will offer you two readings to consider. One from Rambam Maimonides, the laws of opinions or attitudes. This is in chapter 5 at the end. Here he's talking about the Talmud Chacham and the Talmud Chacham, the, the wise person, the sage, and how the sage comports themselves in the world. And in this chapter, in general, he touches on issues of eating and drinking and conversing and sex. And he also deals with questions of business. And he says, Masao matano chacham the business interactions of a Tamil Chacham, of this wise person, are with emet, truth, perhaps honesty, and with faithfulness. That person says about no, no, and about yes, yes, meaning that their word is solid, they are clear about what they're going to do, they don't over-promise, which is very important. This person is careful with themselves in their calculations. And they give to and they forego or they allow other people. And they're not going to be super exacting on other people. So they're exacting on themselves and they're forgiving with other people to give people leeway. They give the money of a transaction immediately. Interesting that that would be important. And that would be something remarkable. I think it is true, and I think it is worth considering as well, the importance of transacting quickly, that when a, an agreement is made, that payment is made. And this person doesn't become an arev, which means they don't become a guarantor. They're not going to get involved in someone else's financial transactions by becoming a guarantor and saying, so-and-so says, I want to take a loan and I don't have enough, enough money to pay it back. Would you be a guarantor on my loan? A wise person says, no, they don't get involved in other people's money issues. Good idea. But look, Kablan, they also don't become a Kablan. A Kablan is a contractor, which is a long-term relationship around a particular task as opposed to uh, performing a particular task at a particular time. Interesting to explore why that would be so. That person takes obligations upon themselves concerning business, even if the Torah does not obligate them to do so. In order that that person will stand in their word and not change it. So they take extra strictures upon themselves to make sure that their business interactions are done in a trustworthy and faithful way. And they take upon themselves extra strictures in order to make sure that they act and participate and behave within this transaction in a way that they think is honorable. And if a person becomes liable in some way through a judgment in court, the sage is ma'arich, they lengthen, meaning they lengthen their patience, and they forgive, and they lend, and they are kind to that person. Very interesting, the attitude that a person would have if they just won in court, how forgiving they could be or how kind they could be even in that interaction. All of these are ways that 
Rambam shows that a wise person would comport themselves in the context of the necessary business interactions that they have in their lives and it is saturated with these values and these attitudes that would convey to anyone who saw this happening that this person is not losing themselves and losing their values for the sake of making a buck. In fact, throughout their business interactions, a person would feel that they have seen something honorable transpire. And here I share with you some passages from Mesilat Yesharim, from the Path of the Just, by Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzato Ramchal, which is a very powerful book, in the chapter on the trait called Nikiyut, which means to be entirely clean in a particular area. How do you have entirely clean hands? Not just approximately clean hands in business, but entirely clean hands. And there's a lot to share here. It's a long chapter, but I will read a few key passages. He says, Consider here the matter of extorting. How a person will be seduced and trip up by the idea that they need to make their wares look better in the eyes of other people. And the person will, in, in efforts towards earning a living, will speak to the buyer and try to convince the buyer that they should buy this particular object, even if it's not necessarily a good fit. So the person will use tools that they have to convince people to transact with them, not necessarily only for the sake of the benefit of the other person, but really for their own sake and for their own benefit. In another section about the rigor with which the Torah expects people to address the question of midot, of measuring devices. And the Torah is very concerned with this. In Deuteronomy 25, 16, it talks about a person who has two weights, one that's proper and one that's not proper, two measuring cups, one that's proper and one that's not proper, etc. two scales, one that's cheating and one that's not cheating. And it says, It is an abomination towards God, anyone who does these things anyone who abuses measures and weights in order to benefit. And the Gemara says that, in fact, the punishment for manipulating our measuring and weighing devices towards our benefit to rip people other, other people off is worse than the punishment that a person would receive for sexual impropriety. And it goes on to say that a storekeeper would wipe off and would clean their weights that they would put on the scales once every 30 days just in order to make sure uh, that they're not accidentally ripping someone off by using a gram weight, which is actually weighed at higher than a gram, so to speak. These are just examples where the Torah really bears down on the specific areas and says, okay, fine, this money in the form of whatever, lemons, came down into the world, and you're now going to be selling lemons by the kilo, and 
that is the way that you are going to make a living. And as it comes down further and further and the lemons and they were grown in the proper way and everything is kosher and all the agricultural laws are followed and they end up in your hand and you're in Machana Yehuda, you're in the shuk there and you're selling them. And at the last stage where these lemons would become money that you could use to live your life and to feed your family, etc. At that last stage, because your weights are not proper, that money that you make, you're actually ripping people off in every transaction. And then the money that you made is tainted by that. You can see it's very difficult. There are many challenges at every stage that would require us to be incredibly clear about what the mission is and what the values are and what the laws are and what the practices are and what the dangers are and what our personal susceptibilities are so that we can try to make sure that when we are transacting, we're transacting in a way which is holy and positive and conscious and guided by the values and practices and laws that are going to ensure that that is true. It is a difficult task. May God help us all do our business in a way which is holy and honorable and aligned with the ultimate values and aligned with the benefit and the goodness and the faith and the truth and the honesty and the presence and the humility and the carefulness that is needed in order to make this into a blessing in the world. Amen.